Hey y'all, I'm Donna. And I'm Carrie. And we are Paranormal Chicks. Sinister Sightings 253. All right, this one is True Crime. The one about the meth lab next door. And then they said, this title is dedicated to Matthew Perry, who's greatly missed. Dear Heine Laugh and Freaky Deaky. (laughs) (laughs) You can call me Disco Lady from Texas. I love you both. And my partner calls you my sweary ghost ladies. And I think it fits. I'm also a proud Southern sweary ghost lady who has been interested in the paranormal since childhood. I've been listening to you for about six months, and I found you when I was going through withdrawals from the Spooked podcast. I needed daily spookiness, and I'm working my way through the Sinister Sightings episodes first. My work schedule has finally let up enough to give me time to write in one of my own stories. Most of them are spooky dookie, so I will start with my one and only true crime story. So far, insert evil laugh. The names in the stories have been changed to protect the innocent and the not-so-innocent. After my freshman year of high school, we moved from our small Texas town near Houston to Austin. This was around 1985-ish, when it was somewhat affordable to live there and Austin was full of slackers and hippies. Those were the days. We hadn't sold our house yet, but my mom already had a job in Austin, so I started my sophomore year and we rented an older apartment that my parents could afford close to the Zilker Park and downtown Austin. It was serviceable, but the carpet throughout was an ugly green and blue shag, and the dim apartment only had one window at the front with ugly curtains and one window for each bedroom at the back of the apartment, so my delicate teenage aesthetic sensibilities were greatly offended, and I couldn't wait to get into a house. There was always a skunky, sweet smell coming from an apartment I passed by every day walking to the school bus, and it was impossible to avoid going through it because it had a huge box fan positioned in the window, blowing air from the apartment to the outside. Only later did I realize that it was the devil's lettuce. We were from a small town, and my parents were God-fearing Baptists, so they didn't know what that smell was either. My dad, we'll call him Dad. <laughs> <laughs> laugh so hard oh my god okay so dad was about 14 (laughs) was about 14 years older than my mom she'll be known as mom and i was a surprise baby so he was older than the average dads at the time and had already retired from his job so he was the designated house husband and he did the shopping and the cleaning and some of the cooking so he could be counted on to be at home most of the day during the week my dad was so trustworthy and reliable that the insert national company here package delivery guy would leave all the packages for the complex with him if the live-in apartment managers were working their off-site day jobs. Dad accepted lots of packages for our next-door neighbors, not the wacky tobacco ones, but the ones on the other side, and he would deliver boxes to their door regularly. As a family, we sat out by the small courtyard pool a lot, as it was steps outside of our apartment, and my parents would remark on how responsible the two other next-door neighbor guys were, as they would regularly be seen coming home with paper bags of groceries, presumably to feed the young boy who sometimes stayed with them. Life went on for several months this way, as my parents hoped their house would sell, and I was busy being a teenager, until one afternoon. My mom and I were sitting on the couch along the wall that separated our apartment from the two men. Suddenly, we felt and heard a foundation-rocking explosion. My dad came running from the nearby kitchen, yelling, Get out! My mom stood up and screamed, Stay in! And I honestly didn't know what to do. But we decided a few moments later that outside might be safer than inside. 
We exited the door just in time to see one of the two guys next door in the lawn between our apartments and the pool. Now, let me stop my story for a moment to make sure I describe this to you so you can see it in your imagination. You know how in old cartoons when someone is near an explosion and they're transformed into a smoking mess with wild hair everywhere and their clothes are in tatters? Well, that can actually happen in real life if you're lucky enough to survive the blast. Our neighbor, who was now a smoking, tattered mess, yelling, oh, fuck, and ran around behind the complex, strips of clothing flying behind him, jumped on his motorcycle, and zoomed off. Someone smart called the police. As we waited for them to arrive, we shook off the shock and assessed the nearby area. Both the front and the back windows to their apartment had blown out, and there was glass everywhere. The ugly curtains in the front window had traveled across the lawn, almost to the pool, and thank goodness no one was injured. The glass, however, was all over the hilly lawn, and they even found some in the pool later. Imagine if someone had been walking past either of the windows at the moment of the blast. It still gives me shudders. When the police arrived, we were briefly shooed away from their apartment, but were allowed to listen to the chase and capture of tattered motorcycle guy. And I think we even cheered. After the police gathered their evidence and interviewed everyone involved, they led us all on a tour through the wrecked apartment, narrating what happened. Turns out that the packages and the brown grocery bags of groceries were actually supplies for their meth lab. Those two fuckers didn't even live in the apartment full-time. It was mainly their cheap lab space, and my poor father had been signing for all of their packages and delivering it to their door with a smile. We were shook, but there was more shock to be had around every corner. Apparently, tattered motorcycle guy had been cooking up the latest batch and decided to finish it in the oven, the gas oven. The meth fumes immediately exploded and blew the door off the oven and the glass out of the windows on both ends of the apartment. But that's not the only thing that exploded. They took us to the back bedroom to show us how powerful the explosion was and the wall of at least one of the bedrooms was blown away from the floor by at least a foot. And when you look down, you could see the outside. I think my parents turned green at that point. We were so lucky we weren't injured in the blast, and thankfully the shockwave went out the front and the back of the apartment instead of sideways. But the police saved the best for last. They opened up the AC heater utility closet and showed us a gallon bottle of ether and said, Y'all are some pretty lucky people today. If this bottle of ether had exploded, it would have blown a hole in the entire block. We all left that neighbor's apartment, silently thanking the deities of our choice and collectively shitting our pants. We were so lucky to be alive, and the whole incident was covered on the local evening news. Later, we found out that both men were charged, but I don't know if they served time or what happened to them. I just looked it up on Google, and the local paper is only archived back to 1989, so I'm still wondering. I have no idea what happened to the young son. Thankfully, he was not in the apartment at the time. A lot of things changed for us that day. It was as if the three of us lost our small town innocence. No more walking in the courtyard, grass, bare feet, too much glass in the lawn. No more blindly trusting neighbors. My dad stopped signing for packages, naturally, and my parents were more on edge and anxious. They quickly found a house they could afford in a newly developed suburban community in southwest Austin, and we moved out of the apartment complex shortly after. The older I get, the more I realize how fortunate we were that day. I still have some lingering concerns. Yes, we survived, but were we breathing in meth fumes for months? I can't even imagine what that realization was like for my straight-laced parents. Now, as a parent myself, I feel terrible for them. That whole experience must have been terrifying and sobering, but it has made for a dramatic family story that we have retold over the years. My mom is still raising hell in her independent living situation. My dad passed in 2019 of Alzheimer's, and I really miss him, 
but I have lots of memories to reflect on. As for me, as luck would have it, my partner and I moved into a beautiful house a few years ago near an active quarry, and we experience tremors a few times a week. I just laugh and think to myself, that's nothing. I hope you enjoy my story, and I'll send in more soon. Meanwhile, would you mind mentioning my dance podcast? I would love to have more listeners, especially folks who are interested in hearing more about dance and dancers. The podcast is called Today in Dance, and it profiles at least one dance professional each day on their birthday. It started during the pandemic to immediately connect my students to the world of dance, and I initially featured it on my website. To increase accessibility, I recorded each as a podcast episode, and each episode is about five minutes. Go see what dance professional shares your birthday, and I'd love to hear it. And even though I didn't share my name for added privacy, if any of my students are listening to this podcast, figure out who I am. Send me an email that says, A Paranormal Chicks Rock, and I'll drop your lowest quiz grade. Holy shit. Thanks to my beautiful sweary ghost ladies for providing a platform for sharing stories and reading mine on the show. I'm honored and I will send more in soon. Creep it real and you know the rest. Much love, Disco Lady from Texas. Oh my God. The fact that we could help someone with their grades just by listening to us, because we definitely don't share the best advice, okay? The... (laughs) The my dad will be known as dad there like that sent me I don't know why but that turned my giggle box on so hard that was your Bob's bizarre bizarre for that me that was hilarious also yes y'all are very lucky to survive that explosion oh my gosh and honestly the like the guy that was cooking it that survived and ran away on his motorcycle he yeah. is very lucky to have survived that I love that your dad had got all of their packages and shit. Like, like what the hell? He was unknowingly, like, committing, like, a crime. You know what yes, I mean? Yes, which is why he stopped. Yeah. But it's like, oh, my gosh. Also, LOL that it was pot that you were smelling and didn't know. But, I mean, fuck, it was 1985. Who the fuck knew? Right? Before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Babel. Most of us took some sort of second language when we were trying to learn in high school or college. But I mean, that's not exactly the high point of our academic prowess. No. But now, thanks to Babel, it is super easy to learn a new language because Babel offers fun games, podcasts, interactive, all the things. And you don't believe us? We'll believe the over 10 million subscriptions that have been sold. So Babbel has 15-minute lessons that make it the perfect way to learn a new language on the go. Because I don't know if you're like me, but I talked a lot through my classes in high school and in college, so I didn't learn a lot. I was going to say you talked, but not in the language you were learning. Right. But look, other language learning apps use AI for their lessons, but Babbel lessons were created by over 100 language experts. And the teaching methods have been scientifically proven to be effective. So you can choose from over 14 different languages and start having conversations in those languages in as little as three weeks. Plus, Babbel's speech recognition technology helps improve your pronunciation and accent. So it's more authentic. And y'all have heard me say it, when you have an accent and then you are trying to pronounce something with an accent, it's really hard to overcome this deep southern drawl when you're trying to speak in Spanish or whatever language that you're trying to learn. Because remember, you got 14 different options with Babbel. Yes. 
And Babbel comes with a 20-day money-back guarantee. So you can start a new language learning journey today with different podcasts, games, videos, stories, even live classes. So there is something for everyone and everyone's different learning strategies. So right now, you can get up to 55% off your subscription when you go to babbel.com slash creep. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash creep for up to 55% off your subscription. Babbel is the language for life. Okay, the next one. Can't let you run out of stories. Hi, ladies. Love the podcast. Well, the haunted stuff. True crime makes me more anxious than I already am, so I skip those. Finally got around to typing these up for you, though. My father-in-law passed in March of 2009. He very much wanted to be a grandfather. That September, despite many doctors telling me it was unlikely that I'd get pregnant without major intervention, or maybe at all, I got pregnant the old-fashioned way. That story is a weird one too, not sex weird, but spirit weird. Fast forward to June and I have a healthy baby boy. One day when he was about three weeks old, my husband came home from work. I asked him to take the baby so I could shower and he said, sure, just let me get something to eat first. I said, fine, and went into our office. We had an office chair that rocked and that motion would often put the baby to sleep. I'm sitting there, he's asleep, and we're rocking, and I have my eyes closed. I feel someone walk up behind us and put their hands on the back of the chair and look down at us. Of course, I think it's my husband, but he doesn't say anything. I'm thinking, okay, he's looking down at us, and it's a sweet scene, but he still doesn't say anything. I think, oh, I know, he thinks we're asleep, and he's going to get out of his turn with the baby. So I keep my eyes closed waiting to see if he walks away so I can spin around and catch him. After a minute, I feel the hands pick up off the back of the chair and the person step away. I immediately spin around with a big smile on my face and no one is there. The chair is diagonal from the door and the house is old and creaky. Even if he had leapt for the door, I would have seen him. So I get up and I walk to the living room. I see my husband there with the plate of half-finished food and I say, were you just in the office? He looks at me like, obviously not, lady, and says no. Then I smell cigarette smoke. We don't smoke, but my father-in-law did. He kept coming by, turning toys on, and talking to our son. We'd hear our son toss his pacifier and toys out of the crib, a gambit to get us to come back in and get him up. And we'd ignore it, only to check on him later to find all of his stuff back in his crib. He'd have conversations when he was alone the way babies do, babbling and waving and pausing as if someone else was talking. One day, my son was in his exorcister and looked up like someone was standing above him and he started waving and laughing and I smelled cigarette smoke again. I said, father-in-law, you know, insert his name, we love you and we miss you. Come visit whenever you want, just don't scare him. I heard a cough, my child and I were the only ones home and then the smell was gone. Two years or so later, my marriage fell apart, and I moved out because the ex ran a business out of our home. I looked for weeks and finally found a rundown apartment I could barely afford. When we signed the lease, my then three-year-old kept talking about a little boy he wanted to go play with. I looked around, and there's no one, 
literally no one around, but I dismiss it. So we move in and I start catching glimpses of a little boy. His head is about waist height on me. The first few times I think it's my kid getting out of bed, but either he'd be at his dad's or I'd check in on him and he'd be fast asleep. Honestly, I was going through a hard time and was just like, okay, mental breakdown, got it. I had a friend, uh-huh, you know what I mean, over one night and I saw the kid and I jumped. Friend asked me what happened and I said nothing, just thought I saw something. I didn't feel like letting other people know I was going insane. He said, a little boy, about this tall, and held his hand where the kid's head usually was. He had seen him too. One night I woke up to someone sitting at the end of the bed and I started to sit up. The friend put his arm over me and said, don't move. I know. When we were about to move out, my son pointed out the window in the dark and said, there's a little boy but I don't want to play with him. He's angry. The place got bought by new owners who were going to renovate and I was happy to move. This last one is from my mom. When I was four or so and my sister was five, we moved to Boston and bought a house from a lady whose mother, the owner, had recently died. One night while my dad was traveling for work, my mom woke up to a woman in a dress standing in her doorway. She pinched herself to make sure she wasn't dreaming and then said, I'm sorry, your daughter isn't here anymore. With that, the woman left. And this stone-cold bitch moved my sister and I into that room the next day. And she and my dad took our non-haunted, presumably, room. We still give her shit about that, Meg. Every man for the damn selves over there. Uh Uh-huh. I love that, though. (laughs) I love the fact that you were just waiting to catch your husband. And, I mean, I could just see you whip around and be like, ha-ha! Wait, what? Yes. Because I, oh my God, that's the best though when you're like, "Uh uh-huh, you think something's going to happen and you're just waiting to get that person. But then you got got. Yeah. But also, I guess that little boy was mad that y'all moved out. And so he was like, "Uh uh-uh, don't want to play anymore. And we know what kind of friend that was. Donna has a few of them. But he was protective over you. I like it. Okay, the next one. Hey ladies, I was listening to the most recent Sinister Sightings and heard your fear of running out, so I figured I'd send in a few of my stories. This is Melissa from Oregon chiming in again with my freaky experiences. For anyone curious, today is November 1st, 2023. The first story I'll tell is more on the true crime side and one I can barely remember, but it ticks all of the I was lucky to make it home boxes. To reiterate what I said last time, I'm from a small coastal town. The house I grew up in was one my grandparents, who raised me, had owned for upwards of 20 years before I was even born. Having been there so long, they were personal friends with the owners of the gas station just up the street. When I say just up the street, I mean you could probably hear the gas attendants talking from our front porch if you listened hard enough. When I was around nine, my grandfather's health started declining, but he was an avid smoker. He made a deal with the gas station workers that he could send me with a signed note and I could pick up packs of cigarettes for him. At the time, I didn't mind because I always got a candy bar and it was like a little taste of freedom being able to go all by myself. One day I was doing my store run for him and when I came out, the only car in the gas station parking lot was one of those large white vans that should have child abductor painted on the side. The guy in the driver's side stopped me to talk for a second. I did know what stranger danger was, but everyone knew my family in this town, and I was used to getting stopped and asked how my uncles or my grandparents were doing. This man, however, started the conversation 
by asking if I'd seen his puppy. In the back of my head, there were obviously alarm bells, but my more prevalent worry was, oh no, is this puppy okay? I told him I hadn't, but would definitely keep a lookout. I went to walk away and he called out after me to stop me, asking me if I would help him look for it and if I liked candy. This was a hard no for me and I literally just started sprinting home. I never saw him again, but I can't help but think maybe I was the one who was never going to be seen again that day. My next story jumps back to paranormal. Touching on the house I grew up in again, it was around 100 years old when we were living in it and multiple people had died inside. My room was the attic, triangular ceiling and everything, but it was the only place I could go for some privacy. It was my room and then a connected storage room and it had its own door and we rarely entered. At night, I would hear tapping and knocking on that door along with the creak of the stairs like someone was walking up. Not just a house settling, like the sound of heavy boots. It got to the point that my friends wouldn't even sleep over at my house because they heard weird noises at night. I went downstairs to use the bathroom once, probably around 2 a.m. when I was 12. I heard rustling in the kitchen on my way there. I detoured to go check if the outdoor cat had gotten stuck inside but got glued to my spot when I noticed a pan hovering above the stove a good six inches in the air. It stayed there for a few seconds before dropping, and I screamed bloody murder. I woke my grandparents, at which point my grandma told me it was just her mom messing with me and not to worry about it. Not to worry about it? To this day, my grandma says the creepiest shit about her family members hanging around, and about how she has dreams that my grandpa was in my house last night. Anyway, there's a couple of more stories from me. I have a few more in the chamber that I'll send off in a couple of weeks, so hopefully you don't run out. Creep it real and maybe get scared if it's warranted, Melissa. What a different years make because I remember you could go in and get the cigarettes or mm-hmm. whatever for your parents. And so weird that we talk about cigarettes on this Sinister sightings when just last Sinister sightings, we were talking about how I would start back smoking again if yes. I lived to a certain age. And I'm glad your alarm bell started going off, but I would have been concerned about the dog too. Yeah, same. But then he was literally doing a handbook like, okay, yes, dog, candy, what else? He was doing the most and it like set off alarm bells. Yeah. I mean, I'm thank really God. Glad. Yeah. Thank God he was terrible. Okay. The next one. Hello, ladies. It's Sam from Scotland, UK again, and I have another story for you. So when I lived in my longest home, which was in England, I used to see shadow people, but never evil ones. There was a particular ghost, a woman, I believe, who just chilled with me in my bedroom, and I was the only one to see her. From what her shadow looked like, she was very Victorian, that's what the dress looked like, and she would sit on the end of my bed or in my gaming chair and I would talk to her because she seemed lonely, and she always had a nice vibe to her, so I would talk to her about my day, plans, And one day, I got attached to by something evil, but the lady seemed to scare it away. When I got home, the living room felt evil and hard to be in. I hated it. It never felt like that before, and my lady shadow friend came downstairs, which she never did before, and screamed at the corner of the room. Another taller shadow coming out. His vibes were horrible. I was terrified, but he left after my friend told him off. Anyway, she was my best friend, and I was actually sad to leave her behind when we moved to Scotland. I think about her every now and then, and I hope she's not too lonely. I have a couple of more stories, but that's it for now. Creep it real, and don't get scared, Sam. 
I didn't know that there were such thing as anything other than bad or like evil shadow people. I think sometimes it's just like, yeah, I don't think it has to be bad. I don't know. Fuck. Don't ask me. We just talk about it. But I really don't think there has to be. They're not just evil. There's just evil things like the hat man and different entities like that. Well, thankfully for your sake, your girl was nice. Right? I would love that. And I think that's how I would be okay with the ghost, like where I could just talk to it. And they would probably leave me because they'd be like, God, this girl doesn't shut up. Yeah. And get so overly attached. It's ridiculous. Yes. Yeah. That'd be me. Yes. But it'd be nice to have someone to talk to. But I would want to hear them speak to me. Because then I really would be like, am I bugging you? Oh, my God. You're looking at me like I'm bugging you. Am I bugging you? Also, your game and chair, what kind of games do you play? Before we get into Donna's story, we got to talk about Miracle Made because this bedding is a miracle. We all know no one messes with Carrie's sleep. You can't mess with her sleep when she's sleeping in Miracle Made sheets. Because Miracle Made sheets help your temperature to stay regulated. Whether you sleep hot, whether you sleep cold, whether your partner sleeps hot or cold, doesn't matter. You both sleep at the perfect temperature. And that really impacts your sleep, which impacts your day the next day. Miracle Made Sheets and Bedding uses silver-infused fabrics, and that is what makes the temperature-regulating bedding help you sleep better. And you know it's good when it's inspired by NASA. Now, I do love the temperature-regulating part of it, but my favorite part of it is that Miracle Made offers a whole line of self-cleaning, eco-friendly bedding, like we said, sheets, pillowcases, comforters that prevent 99% of bacteria. And because it prevents the bacteria, you have to launder it three times less. And look, we all know if you do sleep like me, you might sweat, you might do all the things, which I don't do on Miracle Made Sheets. I will say that. However, you just have that grime from the day on your sheets. And if you're sleeping in the sheets and not washing them, that can lead to acne, allergies, stuffy noses. But again, Miracle Made, it prevents 99% of that bacteria. So that means you don't have to wash your sheets as much as you would normal bed sheets. But when you think of sheets that prevent bacterial growth, you probably think of something that's like hard and not very comfortable. Like sterile. Yes, but that is not the case with Miracle Sheets. They are so luxurious and comfortable and they don't have the high price tag of other luxury brands. And it feels nice, you know, if not nicer than some sheets that are used by five-star hotels. So you are getting the five-star bedding without the five-star price tag. You just feel so comfortable and that means that you can sleep better. And if y'all are like Donna and me, you've got five-star tastes, but you've got less than one-star budget. And with Miracle Made Sheets, you have the best of both worlds. Definitely. Right now, go to trymiracle.com slash creep to try Miracle Sheets today. Whether you're buying them for yourself or as a gift for a loved one, if you order today, you can save over 40%. And if you use the promo code creep at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. So again, stop sleeping on bacteria. Sleep clean with Miracle Made Sheets. So go to trymiracle.com slash creep, where you can save over 40%. And again, if you use our promo 
CREEP, that's C-R-E-E-P, at checkout, you'll get three free towels and save an extra 20%. And Miracle is so confident in their product, it's backed by a 30-day money-back guarantee. So if you aren't 100% satisfied, you're going to get a full refund. So go to trymiracle.com slash creep and use the promo code creep at checkout. Okay, the next one. Hello, ladies. I'm so excited to see that after all this time, you still have people writing in their stories for Sinister Sightings. Did you ever think your podcast would be as successful as it's grown to be? This is not just flattery. There is something about your voices and the way you carry yourselves through the microphone to my ears that makes you both a true delight to listen to. Whenever I try out a new podcast, especially with female hosts or narrators, I find that I have to get used to their voices. I always think, this is not Donna or Carrie, and I have to fight the temptation to just stop the show altogether. You aren't the first podcast I've listened to. Shout out to Radiolab, which was a required source for a college writing class, but you are the best and I'm such a fan. Here's my story. Across the hall and two doors down. The last time I wrote was back in 2020. I had a bunch of adulting to do instead of fun stuff I'd prefer, like sending in the rest of my stories. I'm about to violate my own HIPAA here, so today call me Dorothy, despite my signature at the bottom of my submission. Wink, wink. Currently, I'm on day five of a hospital admission in room 308. The circumstances are mysterious. I've had a procedure under sedation, a colonoscopy. My hospitalist apologized profusely, but I told him I think more information would be better. Let's hope this will help us get to the bottom of things, I said with a smirk. He laughed heartily. While I've been in and out of the hospital for over the last 22 months, I've learned that laughter and humor and taking it all one day at a time is the key. You have to keep your sense of humor, and I think the doctors appreciate it too. After all, healthcare workers have very difficult jobs, and they're human. What isn't human is whatever was lurking about in my room the last time I was admitted. I was across the hall and two doors down from the room 308. I was in bad shape. I had become so weak I couldn't even sit up. Keeping my eyes open was a chore and wasn't even helpful as my vision had started to become so blacked out and so dimmed that I couldn't see things clearly, even in bright light. This is what happens when you can't eat or drink for the previous six weeks and are experiencing nausea and vomiting despite the absence of food. I was admitted through the emergency department and eventually taken upstairs to my room. It was obviously built in the 90s. Everything is a dusty pink and cream color palette with light stained oak trim. Gross. These rooms were designed for two beds and separated with a curtain attached to the ceiling in the squeaky U-shaped track. These rooms have all been changed to host just one patient and the extra beds were moved out. My first night in, I felt like the air was heavy in the room. I was pretty out of it though and obviously very sick, so I just attributed it to the lack of outside air, being exhausted, and my body being in so much distress. My wildly handsome husband came to visit me on the second night. He couldn't initially come in with me because we couldn't reach the only family we have in the state and he had to take my usual place while I was out of commission to care for our hump dumplings. <laughs> That's fucking funny. <laughs> oh my God. A hospital is no place for young kids if it could be avoided at all. I was awake and missing my man when he finally burst through the door with a few items from home for me and a very concerned look on his face. He sat bedside with me and we talked for a while. The lights in the room would flicker, but we never talked about it to each other. 
The flickers didn't happen in a particular pattern, but it did happen often. As time went on, my face was starting to hurt from all the smiling while I listened to my husband's comforting voice and he held my hand. After we finished our visit and the love of my life went home, I settled in to get some much needed rest. I cussed myself for not asking my husband to turn the lights off when he left the room. There was a recessed light above the bed and it was shining directly onto my retinas. I figured I'd do my best to ignore it until enough time had passed and when I'd inevitably need to get up to use the bathroom. Next time, I'd figure it out and finally get some quality sleep. The quiet of the evening was interrupted though. I heard tapping through the walls, but these room walls are shared with other rooms and also probably pretty thin. It gave me the creeps though, because it sounded so close. I wondered if the tapping had always been there and I'd just been distracted during visiting hours. What if these were new sounds? Suddenly, I startled awake, not typical for me. Somehow, I had fallen asleep without deliberately intending to. I wasn't having a bad dream. I didn't hear any commotion out in the hall. No one was here to take vitals for the millionth time. This was a fairly quiet bank of rooms here. The light above was still on and still bothering me, but I was also still too tired to get out of bed. I refused to call a nurse for something unrelated to my health or safety. They're busy enough as it is. But what woke me up then? Tapping? Did I hear it again? The light above me flickered. It was a compact fluorescent bulb and I hate those fuckers. I opened my eyes as best I could, still squinting. I heard scraping or dragging and it sounded as though it was coming from the ceiling. I realized the light above me also dimmed at the same time. The computer screen in the far corner didn't seem affected though. Maybe they're on backup batteries in the hospital? I decided to get up, use the bathroom, and adjust the light according to my plan. There are a pair of swing arm lamps with incandescent bulbs above each of the bed bays. The one to my bed's right side had burned out. The one on the left towards the nurse's computer turned on. It was very bright, but at least it was a different style bulb. There were several more recessed compact fluorescent lights in the room, one in the entryway, one in the bathroom, one over the second bed bay, and one over the sink. I turned all of these on along with the swinging arm lamp and every time I heard that creepy sound in the ceiling, the damn lights all dimmed momentarily. It was creepy and I had a very difficult time trying to sleep in that room overnight. Despite the air feeling heavy, I swear I also felt a gentle tickle of moving air near my face too. Maybe as if an invisible butterfly was being a bit too bold. I never felt comfortable though. I never felt alone. After three or four nights, I was moved to another floor in unit. I was told it was because I didn't need to be there for such close care. I asked what unit I was in, the cancer care unit. My heart sank. I know hospitals aren't happy place for most people, but knowing I was in the cancer care unit was sobering. It's almost certain that this part of the hospital has seen a lot of death. Best case scenario, this part of the hospital has witnessed a lot of emotion and turmoil. I was transferred to an even bigger room two floors up across the hospital. It was also designed for two beds, separated by a squeaky curtain. It was in the newer section of the hospital, though, and looks in the opposite direction. I got the side of the room with the window. My roommate ended up being a lovely older lady who eavesdropped through the curtains on my phone conversations with a loved one, where I was giving ideas and resources I knew of to support what I believed would lead to their child eventually being diagnosed with dyslexia. The kind older lady introduced herself after I hung up. Hi, I'm Betty. I'm new to town and have a diagnosis of mild dementia. I'm dyslexic too. You're very knowledgeable and seem very compassionate about learning disabilities. You must be a teacher. What's your name? 
I instantly knew Betty and I would get along. I told her my name, which is fairly unique, and said, it's nice to meet you, Betty. If you happen to forget my name at any point, don't stress about it, okay? I'm not a teacher. I'm just a stay-at-home mom with lots of experience caring for my kids with special needs. I also have ADHD, so I try to use my hyper-focus on useful things if I can. Maybe I should write a book someday. She smiled at me and then proceeded to pass as much of the next five days of the time together with great conversation and lots of laughs. I even celebrated my birthday in that room with a festive Mylar balloon that the sweet nurse bought for me. Betty was discharged two days before I was. One of the last things I talked to Betty about before she was released to her daughter was how impressed I was the whole time that she never forgot my name, not even a hint of a struggle. She smirked and said, oh yeah, you happen to have the same name as my son's wife. Betty was quite the character. That huge room felt lonely with just me in it. But wasn't that the point? It didn't feel heavy. I never had trouble sleeping. I didn't see one damn light flicker. There was no tapping or dragging sounds, no pesky butterfly wings. After I got home, I told my husband about Betty and the fun we made out of the bad situation. I couldn't resist comparing it to the feel and the mood I noticed in the room I was originally in. To my surprise, he told me that he felt the same thing, but he knew I couldn't leave and didn't want to freak me out. He noticed the lights, he felt the wisps on his face, and he felt the heaviness too. He said, oh, that makes sense when I told him it was the cancer care unit. When he came to visit me the second night during this current stay, he even made a point to say, this room looks familiar. Weren't you here last year? I told him yes, but it was a different room where the lights didn't work. I'm glad you aren't in there. That room had a bad feeling in it. This one's nice, though. I don't feel anything. This is the same room? My husband is sensitive and has experienced some supernatural things in his day. I'll write those stories in next time. I answered, no, this room is across the hall and two doors down. I was a bit nervous when I found out I was being sent back to this unit. I don't feel anything in here either. This room feels empty. I haven't seen one flicker and the air in here doesn't feel unnaturally heavy. I can also sleep in this room without any issues, thankfully. I'm still in room 308 as I'm typing this. I'm not sure when I'll get to go home yet, but I'm so glad that I'm in room 308 and not across the hall and two doors down. Well, that just makes me think of Three Doors Down, the band from Mississippi. Mm -hmm. But also, I would be your roommate listening in through your curtain on all your conversations. Because even when I've been in the hospital or like my grandmother, when she was in the nursing home, her roommate, you know, like they just had a curtain between them. And I would be like eavesdropping on what's going on. I can't help it. I'm nosy. Sharing a hospital room sounds like the actual pits of hell to me. Well, my thing is, is like, who has the TV then? And like, you can't both be watching. Like, even if you had two TVs, like you can't both be watching it. Well, you can. It just depends on where the sound comes out of. True. You know, most hospital beds, the sound comes out of the actual bed. Yeah, that head. I know. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, because when I would stay with my mom, it's like she is a, Sometimes she was a sound sleeper and sometimes she wasn't. But like in the hospital, she was never sound asleep. So it was like, I'm trying to listen to fucking HGTV, but I can't hear it because it's on her head thing. And I'm like, I just need to do something. Meanwhile, she could sleep through me and Timmy singing karaoke and she'd be fine. Unless, do you remember that one song that she would always wake up to? Um, more than words? No, that she liked that one, but 
No. Her favorite song was... Lips on a Kiss on an Angel. Lips on an Angel. No. Okay. Apparently, you know nothing. No. Her favorite song was Snow Patrol, If I Lay Here, or whatever that... Really? I don't remember yes, that. Yes. She loved that song, but she would always wake up to I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. Like, me and Tiffany could be murdering all the songs because, like, we can't sing. She's sound asleep, snoozing away. We hit that one song, it's done. Also, my mom had to be the most patient person to sit there and listen to us and be like, oh, yeah, sing this song. I love this song. When me and Tiffany had just taken over the TV singing karaoke songs that we can't sing. God, this is why I can't be a parent. Like, for real, (laughs) Also, the hump dumplings, hilarious. Yeah, that might be better than crotch goblins. I have never heard that, and that is fantastic. Also, I love how much you love your husband. Oh, I know. That's so sweet. Like, gosh. But you thinking our voices are soothing? I don't know about that, because we could both go high-pitched. At random times. And it's like, oh, God, that hurt my ear. Also, I still sound like a playgrad, but there's that. But I am glad that y'all do see that we're genuine and, you know, we are who we are, which isn't always good. Also, I really hope they figure out what's going on with you. Bless your heart, you've been in and out of the hospital for so long. Yeah, that's hard. I don't know how you do that and have your kids and stuff because it's like... It's so hard when something's going on with you that it's unknown. And so that's time consuming. It's like what's always in your head. Like, what could that be? What, you know, all of that. But then you have so many other responsibilities. I don't know how you do it and share a room with somebody. (laughs) Also, I love your humor, though. And that's amazing about we need to get to the bottom of it. Okay, last one. Hi, Donna. Hi, Carrie. Like so many others, I need to start off by saying how much I truly love you two ladies. Your humor and banter got me through one of the toughest years of my life. A little backstory. I began listening to you ladies in 2020 while working in a warehouse, usually alone. I'd have you on my loudspeaker and often found myself laughing hysterically. Fast forward to 2021 My oldest daughter, who was born with cerebral palsy, graduated from high school with honors. Her future was bright with a plan for community college. That fall, all hell broke loose and she was diagnosed with epilepsy. Our entire world was turned upside down. In the midst of her forever long recovery, which we're still in, I was having to bring her to work with me to monitor her seizures. No lie, the girl slept for those first six weeks out of the hospital. I was so concerned. While she would sleep, I'd listen to my podcast with my earbuds in, but one day I just wanted you ladies around me. While joking and laughing, as you two do, I heard her laughing hysterically with me. She loved you both, and we decided to go back to the beginning and listen together. You helped bring her out of that thick fog her poor body and brain have been in, and I can't thank you enough. Now with the actual story I'm writing in about. Back in 2011, my husband and I were renting an adorable house in the country woods of New Hampshire. We have four kids, two boys and two girls, and our baby girl was just a year and a half old. Our landlords decided to put our home on the market, and unfortunately, we were not in a financial place to buy. A wonderful friend offered us an apartment in a building she owned. 
It was way too small for our family, but we looked at it as just a stepping stone towards our next home. We moved in April 1st. That should have been our first clue. Anyway, that very first night living there, I was tucking my baby, we'll call her A, into bed for the night. She gasped and she said, Mama, that guy is so scary. I assumed her biggest brother was being silly, but he said he didn't scare her. She then pointed towards her closet and said, No, him, he's so scary. We were all creeped out, but got her settled down. That night, precisely at 3 a.m., she woke up screaming. The guy, he's trying to hurt me. This went on every single night at 3 a.m. We had the apartment blessed and it helped with the sightings of the guy, but the 3 a.m. screams were still present. One day, my husband got home and asked where A was. I said she was playing in her room, so he went up to see her. She was in the middle of a full-on conversation with someone my husband could not see. He asked who she was talking to and she said, Daddy, it's Hunter. He's my new friend. Meanwhile, this girl is two and has never gone to daycare or school and had never met anyone named Hunter. So my husband began asking questions about Hunter. She would answer him as though someone was giving her the answer. Words and terms a small child would not say. That was the day my husband finally agreed this was real. We moved shortly after. I did find out some history on the house and found out in the early 1900s it was a local funeral home. I also learned a story about a man who shot himself in that house at a party. The description of him exactly matched the guy. Also, we were the first tenants to live there who didn't have someone pass in the home. The guy before us passed with cancer. Another was in an awful car accident. But my husband almost died there too. He got a tooth infection so bad it traveled to his heart. I had to rush him to the ER where a cardiologist told me Had I not brought him in, he would have not woken up the next morning. I can honestly say I do not miss that year of my life. It was such a depressing time, and I instantly felt happier when we moved. Like, there is a dark cloud in that house. Anyway, I thought I'd share one of the many creepy stories I have. Much love to you both, and creep it real, Andrea. I'm so glad Donna was reading that because I was freaking tearing up at the beginning. I know. Oh my gosh. Like you don't know how much that means to us that we can be in that part of your life and your daughter's life. And it just means a lot. And so I'm so glad that we were able to have something that y'all could bond with. And I don't know. It's just so, so freaking sweet. And I'm so sorry to hear about your daughter. Yes. Send us an update. I want to know like all the goings on. Yes. And I love that, that you were just like, you wanted us around you. And so it was on the loudspeaker, you know, like, gosh. Yeah. Thank you for contributing to Donna's big head. (laughs) You're not wrong. But also your daughter, A, she sees things for Mm -hmm. sure. Does she still see things? Oh, that's a good question. But I know exactly what you're talking about. Like, I mean, from in the movies and stuff where it's like, Someone else is telling her, and mm-hmm. so she's, like, puppeting what they're saying. Yes. Also, this podcast has made me second-guess every child ever saying that they have an imaginary friend. Right. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know that I believe in imaginary friends anymore. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think I ever had one, though. Me neither. I remember pretending like I did, but I didn't, actually. Like, because, you know, they always had one in the movies, and mm-hmm. I wanted one, too, and 
but I never actually had one. Yeah, I didn't have one. I think some of my sisters, one of my sisters, a couple of my sisters did, but I didn't. I was just weird anyway, so. Was. (laughs) God, that was so deep. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank y'all so much for sending all these in. Keep them coming. Send them in to us at aparanormalchicks at gmail.com. And remember. Creep it real and and don't don't get scared. scared.